On this episode, the creation week, rain, dinosaurs, days, weeks, and years. Hello everyone, and welcome to Live Through Jesus with Courtney Gilmore. I'll be reading all the scripture references for you, so you're free to just sit back, listen, and absorb, or you can grab your Bible and read along. Most of the time, I'll be reading from the New King James Version, but if I switch, I'll let you know. At the beginning of each episode, I'll introduce the titles, so if you want the entire study in writing, you can go to livethroughjesus.com and buy it for under $5. Each one will cover two to three months' worth of episodes, and once you buy, then it'll be immediately available for download. In addition to a little extra studying, it also allows you the benefit of some charts and keyword definitions, but it isn't necessary. Okay, so let's get started. This is episode one, and today we'll be going over lesson one and two of the Creation, Corruption, and Destruction study. I'll be reading from Genesis 1 and 2, and we'll be discussing the Creation Week. Our memory verse is from lesson two, and it's out of 1 Corinthians 3.19. It says, For the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. And we'll be discussing that a little bit later. At the end of the introductory episode, we just scanned chapter 1 and 2 of Genesis, and we saw that God just said, let it be, and then it was, over and over and over again. He spoke everything into existence. And we looked up a couple of verses in other places of the Bible that refer to the creation week and how it can give us hope and faith. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that episode, you might at least want to go back and listen to the end of it because that really is the most encouraging part of the creation week. If he can make everything that we can see with just his words, then that just gives us so much hope for what God can do in our lives. We can definitely place our faith and hope in a God that's able to speak things into existence. If you happen to be going through something today that you just see no tangible evidence that it could ever come about then just know that you can have faith in a God that can make something out of nothing with just His words. Now this week we are going to be reading out of the ESV version instead of the New King James Version. And at the beginning of this episode, we're going to just take each day one at a time and study what it is that God made. And then towards the end, we're going to get into what that means for us. So let's begin by reading just the first couple of verses in Genesis 1 and see what the world looked like before creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So we know that in the beginning, the entire earth was covered with water. It was completely dark, and it had absolutely no form. Now let's look at what God created on the first day, beginning in verse 3. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning on the first day. So on the first day, God created light. There was already darkness, so now he has created light, And he's left a specific amount of time that is also dark. And so we have evening and morning on the first day, day and night. Let's go ahead and move on to day two, beginning in verse six. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. 
And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning on the second day. So what God actually created on day two was the atmosphere. He just placed air in between the water that was in the sky and the water that was on the earth. When it says he called the expanse heaven, that's the sky. And so on day two, now we have water in the sky and air that separates it and then water on the ground. So now we have sky, air, and water. We're going to skip over to chapter 2 because chapter 1 tells us everything that God created. And then when we get into chapter 2, he gives us a little bit more detail about the creation. And so we're going to go ahead and go to chapter 2 and read a little bit more about the sky and the sea. Beginning in verse 4 of chapter 2. These are the generations of the heaven and earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. We're going to skip verse 7 and go to verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man that he had formed. We haven't talked about the man yet, but... Beginning in verse 10 to 14, it also discusses that there were four rivers that ran through the Garden of Eden. And so what I'm wanting you to see here is that it had not rained on the earth at this point. What was watering the earth was this mist that was going up from it that we found in verse 6 and then these rivers that flowed through the garden. There was just a canopy of water that was over the earth that had not yet fallen Now, we're not exactly sure from these specific verses when it did rain. The first time that we hear about rain is at the flood of Noah. There are some people that believe that it just didn't rain until there was a man to work the ground, as it said in verse 5. And then there's others that believe that it didn't rain until the flood of Noah. I tend to believe that it probably did not rain until the flood of Noah because If you look at the lifespan of people before the flood and then you look at the people's lifespan after the flood, it's dramatically different. And it just makes sense to me that if there was a canopy of water over the earth, then it would have been sort of a protective layer that would have created a greenhouse effect that would have made the people and the plants and everything just really flourish. And after the flood, people's lifespans were drastically reduced. But either way, what we really need to know today is just that it did not rain in the beginning. The earth was watered from a mist that came out from the ground and these four rivers. All right, let's go ahead and move on to day three, beginning in verse nine. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind, and saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning on the third day. 
So on the third day, God gathered all the seas into one place and created dry land. So now we have one big body of water and one big body of land. He also created the plants and trees. Now notice that every single thing that he created had seed inside of it so that it had the ability to multiply and reproduce. So each tree and plant makes fruit of its own, and then that fruit has seed in it so that it can make more trees and more plants that can then make more fruit. So not only did God create the dry land and the seas and the plants, but he also created the ability for these plants to make more. The reason for this is because everything that was created was created during this one week. God never had to create anything again because he made every single thing with the ability to create itself again so that he's not doing that. So let's look at the end of this chapter in verse 29 and see what the purpose of this fruit was. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. So these plants were created to give us food. God created on this day land and seas, plants and trees, and he also created our food and growth system. I want you to also notice that here it says he's given every single thing that has breath in it, the green plants for food. So all of the animals were eating these plants also. Now, it doesn't mention meat at all, but look with me in chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. This is after the flood, and God's talking to Noah. He says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish in the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. As I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. So here it's telling Noah that now the animals are going to be afraid of him because they're going to hunt them for food. This was not allowed before the flood. Before the flood, they were eating green plants because it says, as I gave you the green plants, now I give you everything. So they used to only eat green plants and now they're allowed after the flood to eat meat. The reason that I bring this up is because we're told that certain animals have always been meat eaters, but that's not what it says here. The reason that they believe that certain animals ate meat long ago is because they look at their teeth and they see that they are made in such a way that allows them to tear very strong food. But here's the thing. Also, there are many plants that are also very strong. Think about bamboo and what type of teeth you would have to have in order to bite that bamboo and chew it. And so we really can't make an assumption on what type of food an animal eats or ate in the beginning because of the way that their teeth look. 
And even if we can, we have to believe what the Bible says and not our own assumptions made by the observation of men. Now, if you happen to have bought the study and you have the creation chart, this is the time that you would want to get it out. If you didn't, it's not a problem at all because I'm going to explain what it's talking about but it's just an easy way to see how God created the earth and help us remember what was created each day. So what you're going to see is on the left side, you're going to see day one, two, and three. On the right side, you're going to see day four, five, and six. The days on the left, the first three days, are the foundation for everything that you'll see created in the corresponding days, four, five, and six. So let me explain what I'm talking about. Let's look at day four beginning in verse 14. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning on the fourth day. So on day four, God created the sun, the moon, and the stars. And if you'll remember, on day one, He created the light. So that's a little bit confusing. The sun and the moon and the stars were not the source for the light in the first three days. God just created light. He just spoke it into existence. And so Jesus himself was illuminating the earth on the first three days. Now on the fourth day, God provided the source for that light. And so on day one, you have light. And on day four, you have the source of for that light, the foundation is created on day one and the substance is created on day four. That's just another interesting fact about the creation week is that initially Jesus was the light for the earth and not the sun and the moon and the stars. Now let's look at days five and six beginning in verse 20. And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning on the fifth day. So what you're going to notice is on day two, God created the sky and the sea. And on day five, God created the animals that lived in the sky and the sea, which are the birds and the sea creatures. That's what I'm talking about. The substance is created on the last three days and the foundation is created on the first three days. So day two corresponds with day five. Now day six beginning in verse 24. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then let's skip down to verse 31. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. So on day six, God created the animals and the people that live on the earth. On day three, he created the land. And on day six, he created the things that live on the land, the animals and the people. So day three corresponds with day six. Again, this is just an easy way to remember what was created each day. And it helps us understand also that the foundation was created first and then the substance for that. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things about the animals and the people and how they were created. First of all, it says that everything was created according to its kind. So this is where we're going to get a little bit scientific. Many people try to merge evolution and the Bible. And although we do know that things evolve or adapt, we can see from here that not anything changes from one creature to another because every single creature is made according to its kind and it also reproduces according to its kind. So every animal that was ever created was created on day five and six. There were no new animals that come about later on. Just as we talked about how God doesn't have to continue to make new plants because he created them with seed in them that falls and then creates more. So he does the same thing with animals and people. He creates us uniquely so that we are able to reproduce according to our kinds so that he never has to create anything again and so that we never are able to recreate something that God alone can create. Notice also that we are created with the ability and the intent to reproduce because it continues to say, be fruitful and multiply. So let's just do a little recap before we move on. On day one, God created light, so we have day and night. On day four, God created the source for that light, the sun, the moon, and the stars. On day two, God created the atmosphere, putting air between the water in the sky and the water on the earth. So on day two, we have sky and sea. And on day Five, we have the animals that live in the sky and the sea, the birds and the sea creatures. On day three, God gathered all of the seas into one place and created dry land. And so we have land and water. And he also created the plants that grew on the land. And then on day six, God created the animals that live on the land and the people that live on the land. Now, we're going to spend the remainder of our time talking about what the creation week means to us and why it's so important that we study it. Now, science teaches us that dinosaurs lived millions of years before people ever walked the earth. But is that what it says at the end of Genesis? This passage says that all of the animals were made on day five and six and that the people were made on the same day as all the land animals. So at most, dinosaurs were created only hours before 
people were, not days or years. Now, I guess if they were dinosaurs that lived in the sky or the sea, then they could have been created a day before, but that's all. So, in an effort to reconcile science with the Bible, some Christians conclude that the days must have been a lot longer, more like years and not hours. They conclude that 24 hours isn't long enough for God to make all of the things that He made anyway, and this reconciles all of what we know from science. So, here's the deal. Science is very important. All of this that we're talking about today has to do with science. But we have to make sure that we look at science through a biblical lens. We do not want to be observing things in our world that we can see right now and trying to make them fit into the Bible because, first of all, the Bible was written by God who was there. And we, no man that's making up these theories now, was there. So that's one reason. And the other reason is because we believe that the Word of God is the true, inerrant Word of God. And so when trying to understand the things that we observe around us, we have to begin with the Bible and see science through its perspective and not try to see the Bible through science's perspective. The way that we know if what the world is telling us is true is by testing it with the truth which comes from the Word. So let me explain it to you this way. A banker doesn't study all the different counterfeit bills. The biggest reason for that is because if they study the counterfeit that they know, then inevitably there'll be another counterfeit bill made and they won't recognize it. And so instead what they do is they study the true bill and know exactly what it looks like so that every time that a counterfeit bill comes across their desk, no matter what that counterfeit looks like, no matter if it's something that they recognize or they don't, they know that it's counterfeit because it doesn't look like the true bill. And so that's how we should approach the Bible. We are able to spot the counterfeit theories that people come up with by studying the truth that is found in the Bible. The Bible always has to be our beginning point. God was there in the beginning and none of us were. We can only draw conclusions and invent theories, but we don't know the facts. That's what creation scientists do. They are scientists that believe in the Word of God, and they look at the same things that the other scientists are looking at, but when they see them, they have in their mind all the things that they know from the Word of God, and so they draw different conclusions. And the problem is, is that a lot of these things are contrary to the things that we've been taught because creation scientists do not make their way into our school textbooks. And so we're taught things as though they're fact, when in all actuality, there are two separate sets of scientists out there that are all studying the same things, but they're studying them from a different perspective and they're coming up with different ideas. And we only get to see one side of it. So as we said before, many people try to assume that maybe this day was not 24 hours long, but a much longer amount of time, like maybe even a thousand years or something like that. Now, a lot of people quote 2 Peter 3, 8 whenever they're talking about this, and it says, With the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. But this does not say that one day is a thousand years. It says it is as a thousand years. It's comparing it. Basically, what it's saying is that to God, time is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. So let's look again at day one 
and see what God says about a day. It says, beginning in verse 3, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And He called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning on the first day. There's just absolutely no reason to believe that this evening and morning was not the same evening and morning as we know it to be now. If you were a child and you were reading this, you would assume that this day was exactly as the day that you know now. As a matter of fact, if you lived any time before the 18th century or whatever, you believed that this day was a 24-hour day. This is a completely new way of thinking. It was brought about only by advances in science. And here's the thing. Science has been wrong on huge scales many times. First thing that comes to my mind is the flat earth. And so I want you to listen to something. This is found in Isaiah 40, 22. It says, It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Right here it says God is sitting above the circle of the earth. So, for years, scientists thought that the earth was flat. But the Bible, Isaiah, he knew all along that the earth was a circle. And so, that shows you that sometimes science, the evidence that we have, the theories that we come up with, are contrary to what the Bible says. And now we find out that the Bible was correct, that the theories that they had at that time were wrong. And so we shouldn't have to be educated by men in order to understand the Bible. I do understand that there are words that children do not understand, but day is not one of them. Anyone that can read understands what a day is. And we also should not have to be so smart that it takes us five, six thousand years in order to understand what this passage meant. This is where our memory verse comes in. 1 Corinthians 3.19 For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. I think that God probably is looking down at times and He's saying, um, Your wisdom, your education is foolishness to me. Y'all are way off base. Let's also look at day 4, beginning in verse 14. It says, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. So the sun and the moon and the stars were created for light, but they were also created to serve as signs for our seasons and for our days and for our years. There's no reason again for us to assume that these seasons and days and years were longer than they are right now. On day four, God did not just make the source for our light. He created the laws of our universe. He set all of them in motion so that Again, everything that was created was created on this first week. So he created light and he also created seasons and days and years. It only stands to reason that those days and years were the same as they are now. But if you're not convinced, there's one more day that we haven't talked about in the creation week. So let's read in Genesis 2 verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. So on this day, God creates rest. 
He's already given us work. And so now he's giving us rest. Now let's go back to the thousand year theory. Let's say that day right here meant a thousand years. So God could have worked for 6,000 years and rested for a thousand. That's possible. He's God. But I want you to look over here at Exodus 28 because this references the creation week. It says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or your sojourners who is with you in the gates. For in the six days the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So it says right here that God worked for six days and rested for one. And the reason that it's quoting that is because it's telling us that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to work for six days just as he did. And he wants us to rest for one day just as he did. If we made this day a thousand years, then God would be telling us to work for 6,000 years and rest for a thousand years. That's absurd. He wasn't doing that. He was setting up our week and our calendar. The reason we have seven days in our week is because God created it that way. He told us, work on six and rest on one and then start over again. He set this up from the foundation of the world. Nowhere else in the Bible is a day longer than a day. But for some reason, we think it is right here. And when we look in Exodus and we know in Exodus that it's not talking about a thousand years and Exodus is referencing this creation week. So I know that's a lot and I know that it's different than what we've been taught, but that's the reason that we need to learn it. That's the reason that we need to study things that we believe we already know or we were taught years ago because... This world is contrary to God, and Satan is contrary to God, and he uses our intelligence at times to make us feel smarter than God. And here's the issue. A lot of people are going to say, I don't care about this. It doesn't matter. I don't care how many years it was. I, none of these things matter to me. And the reason that I believe that this matters is because if you can take something as simple as a day and make that word not mean the same thing, then what can you do with the rest of the Bible? That just ends up discrediting everything else that is said all throughout the Bible. Because if something in the Bible can be twisted to make it mean whatever we want it to mean, whatever fits in our agenda, then we're going to use that in order to make ourselves feel better about sin. We're going to use that to justify our feelings, our thoughts, our ideas, our ways, and it's going to end up where the Bible's just completely discredited. So that's all we have for this episode. I know it was a lot. Feel free to email me. My web address is Courtney at LiveThroughJesus.com. I'll try to answer all the questions that I can, and if I get several that are the same, I'll answer them on another episode. If this is still something that you're unsure of, I encourage you just to look some stuff up. Just make sure that there's a biblical basis for it or something that can be backed up. Oftentimes, people quote things as fact, and then when you ask them to prove it, they can't. 
Next episode, we're going to look at chapter two in more depth about how God created the man and the woman and what our purpose is. We're also going to look at marriage and relationships, and we're going to look at the Trinity too. So make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss that episode. Thanks and have a good day.